Chapter sixty eight of the House by the Churchyard. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter sixty eight. How an evening passes at the Elms, and Dr. Toole makes a little excursion and two choice spirits discourse and hebe trips in with the nectar up at the elms little lily that night was sitting in the snug old-fashioned room with the good old rector she was no better still in doctor's hands and weak but always happy with him and he more than ever gentle and tender with her for though he never would give place to despondency and was naturally of a trusting cheery spirit he could not but remember his young wife lost so early and once or twice there was a look an outline a light something in little lily's fair girlish face that with a strange momentary agony brought back the remembrance of her mother's stricken beauty and plaintive smile but then his darling's gay talk and pleasant ways would reassure him and she smiled away the momentary shadow and he would tell her all sorts of wonders old world gaieties long before she was born and how finely the great mr handel played upon the harpsichord in the music hall and how his talk was in german latin french english italian and half a dozen languages besides sentence about and how he remembered his own dear mother's dress when she went to lord wharton's great ball at the castle dear oh dear how long ago that was and then he would relate stories of banshees and robberies and ghosts and hairbreadth escapes and rapparees and adventures in the wars of king james which he heard told in his nonage by the old folk long vanished who remembered those troubles and now darling said little lily nestling close to him with a smile you must tell me all about that strange handsome mr mervyn who he is and what his story tut tut little rogue yes indeed you must and you will you've kept your little lily waiting long enough for it and she'll promise to tell nobody handsome he is and strange no doubt it was a strange fancy that funeral strange indeed said the rector what funeral darling why yes a funeral the bringing his father's body to be laid here in the vault in my church it is their family vault twas a folly but what folly will not young men do and the good parson poked the fire a little impatiently mr mervyn not mervyn that was his mother's name but see you must not mention it lily if i tell you not mr mervyn i say but my lord dunoran the only son of that disgraced and blood-stained nobleman who lying in jail under sentence of death for a foul and cowardly murder swallowed poison and so closed his guilty life with a tremendous crime in its nature inexpiable there that's all and too much darling 
and was it very long ago why twas before little lily was born and long before that i knew him only just a little he used the tiled house for a hunting lodge and kept his dogs and horses there a fine gentleman but vicious always i fear and a gamester an overbearing man with a dangerous cast of pride in his eye you don't remember lord de noran pooh pooh what am i thinking of no to be sure you could not tis from her chiefly poor lady he has his good looks her eyes were large and very peculiar like his his you know are very fine she poor lady did not live long after the public ruin of the family and has he been recognized here the townspeople are so curious why dear child not one of them ever saw him before he's been lost sight of by all but a few a very few friends my lord castle mallard who was his guardian of course knows and to me he disclosed himself by letter and we keep his secret though it matters little who knows it for it seems to me he's as unhappy as aught could ever make him the townspeople take him for his cousin who squandered his fortune in paris and how is he the better of their mistake and how were he the worse if they knew him for whom he is tis an unhappy family a curse haunts it young in years old in vice the wretched nobleman who lies in the vault by the coffin of that old aunt scarcely better than himself whose guineas supplied his early profligacy alas he ruined his ill-fated beautiful cousin and she died heartbroken and her little child both there in that melancholy and contaminated house so he rambled on and from one tale to another till little lily's early bed hour came i don't know whether it was dr walsingham's visit in the morning and the chance of hearing something about it that prompted the unquiet tom toole to roll his cloak about him and buffet his way through storm and snow to devereux's lodgings it was only a stone's throw but even that on such a night was no trifle however up he went to devereux's drawing-room and found its handsome proprietor altogether in the dumps the little doctor threw off his sleety cloak and hat in the lobby and stood before the officer fresh and puffing and a little flustered and dazzled after his romp with the wind devereux got up and received him with a slight bow and no smile and a pray take a chair dr toole well this is a bright fit of the dismals said little toole nothing overawed may i sit near the fire upon it said devereux sadly thank ye said toole clapping his feet on the fender with a grin and making himself comfortable may i poke it eat it do as you please anything everything play that fiddle pointing to the ruin of puddock's guitar which the lieutenant had left on the table or undress and go to bed or get up and dance a minuet 
or take that pistol with all my heart and shoot me through the head thank ye again a fine choice of amusements i vow cried the jolly doctor there don't mind me nor all i say tool i'm i suppose in the vapours but truly i'm glad to see you and i thank you indeed i do heartily for your obliging visit tis very neighbourly but hang it i am weary of the time the world is a dull place i'm tired of this planet and should not mind cutting my throat and trying a new star suppose we make the journey together tool there's a brace of pistols over the chimney and a fair wind for some of them rather too much of a gale for my taste thanking you again answered tool with a cosy chuckle but if you're bent on the trip and can't wait why at least let's have a glass together before parting with all my heart what you will shall it be punch punch be it come hang saving get us up a hayporth of whisky said little tool gaily hello mrs irons madam will you do us the favour to make a bowl of punch as soon as may be cried devereux over the banister come tool said devereux i'm very dismal losses and crosses and deuce knows what whistle or talk what you please i'll listen tell me anything stories of horses dogs dice snuff women cocks parsons wine what you will come how stirred he's beaten poor nutter and won the race though the stakes after all were scarce worth taking and what's life without a guinea he's grown i'm told so confoundedly poor quis pauper avarice a worthy man was stirk and in some respects resembled the prophet shylock but you know nothing of him why the plague don't you read your bible tool well said tool candidly i don't know the old testament as well as the new but certainly whoever he's like he's held out wonderfully tis nine weeks since he met that accident and there he's still above ground but that's all just above ground you see and how's clough pooh clough indeed nothing ever wrong with him but occasional overeating sir you'd a laugh to-day had you seen him i gave him a bolus twice the size of a gooseberry what's this said he a bolus says i the devil says he diabolus then says i hey said i well ha <laughs> ha and by jove sir it actually half stuck in his esophagus and i shoved it down like a bullet with a probang you'd a died a laughin yet twasn't a bit too big why i tell you upon my honour mrs rebecca chatsworth's black boy only t'other day swallowed a musket bullet twice the size ha <laughs> ha he did and i set him to rights in no time with a little powder gunpowder said devereux and what about flaherty 
i'm told he was going to shoot poor miles o'more ha <laughs> ha hey well i don't think either remembered in the morning what they quarrelled about replied tool so it went off in smoke sir well and how is miles why ha ha he's back again with a bill as usual and a horse to sell a good one the black one don't you remember he wants five and thirty guineas tisn't worth two pounds ten do you know any one who wants him i would not mind taking a bill with a couple of good names upon it says he upon my credit i believe he thought i'd buy him myself well says i i think i do know a fellow that would give you his value and pay you cash besides says i twas as good as a play to see his face who is he says he taking me close by the arm the knacker says i twas a bite for miles hey ha 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 and is it true old tresham's going to join our club at last he hang him he's like a brute beast and never drinks but when he's dry and then small beer what i forgot to tell you by all that's lovely they do say the charming magnolia a fine bouncing girl that is all but betrothed to lieutenant o'flaherty devereux laughed and thus encouraged tool went on with a wink and a whisper why the night of the ball you know he saw her home and they say he kissed her by bacchus on both sides of the face at the door there under the porch and you know if he had not a right she'd have knocked him down pshaw the girl's a christian and when she smacked on one cheek she turns the other and what says the major to it why as it happened he opened the door precisely as the thing occurred and he wished lieutenant o'flaherty good night and paid him a visit in the morning and they say tis all satisfactory and by jove tis good punch and mrs irons entered with a china bowl on a tray end of chapter sixty eight recording by john brandon